Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. Have you been taking notes about things that are going on in your garden all season long? I mean, have you been using a garden journal or have you just been sort of taking a mental note of what's been going on? Right now, as we start moving towards the end of the season, if you, even if you haven't taken any notes all season long about what's been going on, now is the time to really make a few key notations, not just to help you for next season, but also to help you in seasons beyond next season. Because even though we say hindsight is twenty twenty, how many times has it gone where you start your season off in the spring and you think, oh, you know, that that one tomato last year, what was that one that did really, really well for me? And you take a guess at it and you go ahead and order it and you start growing it and halfway through the season you go, oh, that wasn't the one I was thinking of. What one was it? <laughs> now is the time to be making those notes while all of that information is still fresh in your brain. So today's episode, I'm going to talk just a little bit about some of the key notations that you should be making in your garden or about your garden, whether you're doing it in a garden journal or on a sticky note on the front side of your seed catalog. So let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. So one of the first things that you may want to take note of is whether or not you had a bumper crop of anything that you grew this year and try to figure out why that might be. So you would want to annotate anything that was different about that crop. So did you try a new variety or were the soil conditions a little bit different? Did you use compost for the first time or did you switch compost suppliers maybe? Um, did you use more mulch? Did you use a row cover? Was it in a different location in your garden? Was it receiving more sun or less sun? Was it more protected from wind? Um, or maybe you used a new technique. Did you prune it differently? Did you um, trellis it differently? Any number of things could lead to a bumper crop of something to include your weather conditions, which you obviously have no control over, but that is something to annotate too. Um, and you want to, if you want to repeat that bumper crop the next season, you're going to need a little bit of something to go by. So taking notations on that uh, is important. The same thing goes for any failed crops. Why did they fail? Was it a new variety? <laughs> Was it in a different crop location? Was your soil condition different? All of those same things that I just talked about could also be a reason why a crop would fail. Um, oftentimes, it may have something more to do with um, insect pressure. Did you see new insects? that you haven't seen before, um, plaguing that crop? Or maybe were there weather issues? Uh, was it too hot? Was it too cold? Was it unusually cool, um, unusually rainy? Any of these things um, may tell you why that crop failed. And then keeping these notes year after year, even if it's just at the end of the season, while all this information is fresh in your brain, is going to help you try to figure out whether or not there's a pattern with these crops. So if you have tried to grow something specifically 
um, let's just say carrots. Say you've you've tried growing carrots for three or four years in a row, and you just don't seem to be able to get a viable crop out of them. If you have kept notes like this at the end of every season, detailing what you have done and maybe what you have done differently, then you know where to start again the next season. You have a historical record. You can go back and you can look. Okay, well, that first year, the soil was too tight. And so the next year, I went ahead and I tilled it up and I added a bunch of compost and kept it loose. But then that year, I didn't keep the soy, uh, the seeds moist enough while they were germinating. And I didn't water frequently enough during the season. So then the next year, I made sure that the soil was nice and loose and I made sure that all of the seeds stayed moist while it was time, while they were germinating and I made sure to water, but that year the weed pressure got to me. So then the next year, you see where I'm going with this? It gives you something to build on and a way to be able to finally get to the point where you know you have done everything that you're supposed to and you have corrected all the problems from the previous year. So speaking on insect pressure, that's another thing that you would want to take note of right around this time of the year, because you can think back very clearly across the different parts of your season and what has plagued your crops the most. Um, it'll give you a little bit of insight for next season, not only in maybe some preventative measures that you can take, but also the timing. Um, you know, in most years, we don't see the squash vine borer moth out and about in the fields much past maybe the end of July, beginning of August. And so it's usually safe to say, yes, we can plant our fall crop of our squashes at that time or after that time, and we won't have any problem with the vine borers. Well, that was not the case this year because our weather patterns seem to have changed a little bit this year. Uh, the mating habits and the survival, the life cycle um, of that moth seemed to have changed as well. And so we actually planted our late batch of squash the same time we normally would. And yet I am already seeing plants succumbing to the squash vine borer. So that is a change. Now, would that cause me to make a drastic change next year and say, um, I'm either not going to grow squashes or I'm not going to plant a fall crop or that I would plant it a little bit later. You know, one year uh, seeing that change wouldn't probably tell me to go ahead and make a drastic change the following season. But if I had annotated that for two or three years in a row, then yes, absolutely. I would say, okay, well, then we have to do something a little bit different. Um, the same thing goes with any other pests. If you've seen um, pests uh, that maybe you've not seen before, say you've never had flea beetles before, but all of a sudden this spring or this fall, you had flea beetles in all of your brassicas. Um, things like that are good things to note so that you can prepare in the off season um, before you start planting your spring garden to make sure that you have things like row covers in place or that you are looking for, um, you know, pesticides that you're willing to use um, that are that are safe for the pollinators, but will also take care of these other things. It gives you time to prepare um, and it gives you a good idea of what you might be battling the next season. Another thing that you might want to annotate um, at this time of the year is your soil condition. There are a number of things that would be important to know going into the off season, specifically with regards to what 
nutrients are still remaining in your soil, in your garden, and also your pH. Specifically, because if you are seeing that your soil is depleted in some way or that the pH is off, now is the time that you want to be starting to correct those things for the spring. So now is a really good time to go ahead and take another soil test and get a general idea of where your nutrients stand and where your pH is. So if you have to make any amendments, then you can do it now. Let it work into the soil over the winter time and then be able to test again in the spring to make sure that you don't have to do any more amending. But the other thing to look at is also just your overall soil condition now versus what it looked like in the spring. Does it seem like it has gotten more compacted? Um, if so, it might mean that you'll need to add some compost to help with that soil composition. Or you may need to arrange your beds a little bit to where maybe they're not getting as much foot traffic. Because oftentimes if you're traveling in and out of your garden consistently and you don't have defined paths, walking across your soil may be, may be compacting it as well. Um, what about how it's retaining moisture? Um, does it seem like it's holding the water well? Um, does it seem like maybe um, it could use some help in that matter? You know, and again, figuring out what type of soil you have, whether or not it's got clay, a high clay content, or um, or if it's very sandy or any of those things is also going to help too. But just taking observations of these things at the end of the season versus what things look like at the beginning of the season can tell you whether or not your soil is maybe being overworked and it might be time to maybe back off, maybe not till as much, maybe not dig as much, maybe start using a broad fork to loosen the soil, um, all kinds of different tips to you or tricks to use um, to keep that soil condition um, to where it is more favorable for your plants. But you'll never know um, if you don't pay attention and, and sort of write these things down. Another thing to think about is what your weed pressure was like this year. Um, did you spend a lot of time pulling weeds um, or did you have it pretty well under control? And if you had it under control, well, why? You know, did you use row covers or um, ground covers? Did you use heavy amounts of mulch? Did you use, um, you know, landscape fabric? What was it that helped keep those weeds under control? Did you maybe develop a new habit of, hey, I'm going to go and every single time I go out to walk through the garden or I go to this part of the yard, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pick a bucket full of weeds. Was that how you kept the weeds under control? What did you do this year that was successful in that? And if you did have a very weedy garden, what could you change for next year? What is missing from your garden plan that is causing these weeds to become a problem for you? Because obviously nobody wants to be spending the majority of their time in their garden pulling the weeds. We want to have other things to be uh, enjoying in the garden and weeds is not one of them. So take a look at those things and think, all right, what is it that I should, should have been doing this year or I could have been doing um, that might have helped that situation out just a little bit? Did you know you can have a one-on-one -on -one virtual 30-minute garden consultation with me each and every month? That's right. I have space for five executive producers over on Patreon, and one of the perks at that level is for me to help you with all things gardening one-on-one -on -one every single month. Everything from garden planning to choosing the right plants, proper spacing, pruning techniques, disease and pest identification, fertilizing, harvesting, storage, and more. Whatever help you need throughout the year. 
Plus, you get additional monthly group Q&A sessions, exclusive video content, Just Grow Something merchandise, and more. If you'd like to become an executive producer, head over to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething or use the link in the show notes to find out how. Now, some of the things that you could be annotating about your garden right now may have absolutely nothing to do with the crops themselves. It may have more to do with your garden plan from this year. For example, um, did you overextend yourself? Did you plant way more than what you could keep up with? And did you were you not able to accomplish the things that you really did want to accomplish in the garden? You can't see me, but I'm raising my hand right now. (laughs) That's absolutely the case out here. Um, You know, unfortunately, we don't have any of the kids left in the house anymore. And we've got our future daughter-in-law who is working for us part-time during the week. But other than that, it's just me and my husband running the market gardens. And I am the one who is in charge of all of the crop plants. And I have not significantly scaled back those crop plans to account for the fact that we have fewer hands working on the farm. And um, that definitely bit us in the butt this year. I had more crop failures um, because we weren't able to maintain either the weed situation or the water situation um, or the mulching, or they weren't planted at the correct time because we were overwhelmed doing other things. Any myriad number of things that basically boiled down to there just weren't enough hours in the day. And so that is something that I have to annotate this year and I have to make allowances for when I start our crop plan for next year. The same thing goes for the, the, the small home garden that we have here out front. Um, I planted a volume of stuff for our kitchen garden and it was actually really well maintained and it was easy to take care of. And I had um, a very set amount of things that I had planned for that garden and those did very well. So I had, you know, one really good argument for, you know, a good, a good plan for one area. And then my other areas, well, maybe not so much, but I have the notes that I need to be able to make that modification for next year. You can do the same thing in yours. So take a look at you know, what you had originally planned for your garden, what your intentions were at the beginning of the year, and figure out whether or not you actually accomplished those goals. And if you didn't, then what were the reasons for that? Um, You know, it may have been something completely out of your control. It may not have had anything to do with your plan at all. It may have had everything to do with the rest of your entire life. You know, I mean, sometimes things just happen. We get new jobs um, or new family members or there's illnesses or there's changes in schools or all these other different types of things that just get in the way. And it may not have been any fault of your own that things didn't get done in the, in the garden, you know, and conversely to that, you may have accomplished exactly everything that you wanted to. You may have had a stellar gardening year and that is fantastic. And it is also something that you should annotate because then you know um, how to duplicate those results for next season. Something else you may want to note would be um, the different things that you grew and whether or not you were able to utilize them or whether you enjoyed utilizing them. You know, what did you really enjoy growing? 
Um, what did your family use the most of? And what did you grow that you know, you really didn't like very much or you just struggled with and it wasn't enjoyable for you to grow. You know, maybe it was something that just took so much effort that you felt like the outcome wasn't really worth the effort. Well, I make a note of that. And so even though all of the pretty pictures in the seed catalog next year may call to you to try to grow that again, you can look at your notes and remember, oh, that thing really was a pain in the butt. I really don't think I want to grow that again this year. And that will save you some space for something else that you really did enjoy growing or that your family really used a lot of and you could use more of. That is something else to note. What did you grow that you just, you and your family used it all season long? You could have used so much more of it. You would have loved to have canned some of it or frozen some of it and you wish you'd had more. Note that, you know, and, and be specific in your notes. Make sure that you annotate, okay, how many plants of that thing did I have? And is it a full like summer season crop or is it something that I could do a succession planting of and be able to get more of those things? Um, and then what, you know, what did you grow that you thought was really cool, but maybe, you know, you didn't like it or your family wasn't fond of it. And so it really just kind of went to waste. Um, a lot of the time that happens with people with these really pretty varieties of eggplant. There are all kinds of really cool looking um, small little Japanese eggplant or little fairy tale eggplant and they're different colors. They're purple, they're pink, they're white and they look really cool. And then you grow it and you're just like, all right, well, now what do I do with all of this eggplant? My family doesn't eat eggplant. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do with all of these things? So they look really cool in the garden, um, but they're not being used. And so, you know, if you make a note of that and go, yeah, the family can only eat so much eggplant Parmesan and I can only make so many eggplant donuts, which I do make eggplant donuts and they are fabulous, by the way. And uh, I can thank uh, Katie over at For Our Family Farm for that because she was the one that shared the episode for me. So thank you for that, Katie. Um, but, you know, figure out what it was that you that you just, it didn't seem like it was worth it to you to grow it or it was really pretty and it was great to look at. Maybe you had fun growing it. And if that's the case and you do still want to grow it, then just make arrangements ahead of time to know that you're going to be donating that produce um, to either your local food pantry or just giving it away to, to family and friends who might enjoy it more than you do. And that's the final thing to maybe take note of for this season is your garden space. Was that space adequate for what you wanted to do this year um, and what you hope to do for next year. Because now would be the time for you to plan if you plan to increase that space, whether it's in ground and you have to break new ground or you have to tarp it off to kill off um, turf, lawn grass, weeds, whatever might be in the way to be able to build that garden plot. Um, or if you're working with raised beds and you need to build raised beds and you have to make plans for being able to get compost or potting soil um, delivered to the house if you're doing large amounts of it or you know, find a way to be able to go and haul a bunch of it back. Um, or if you know that you need to add more containers, more pots, move things around on your porch to where you have more space um, for, for some sun-loving plants. You know, all of those things take a little bit of forethought and you don't want to get caught short at the beginning of the season in the spring when you are raring to go and you're ready to start digging in the dirt, but you don't have the space. 
And then if you do have extra space, so say maybe you're downsizing your garden because it's just down to you and your partner and, you know, it's just the two of you. You don't need that much stuff anymore, Um, but you still really enjoy gardening. Always consider um, maybe continuing to grow what it is that you enjoy growing and then make a weekly donation to your local food pantry. Um, there are programs, um, you know, there's, I think harvesters here has a program where you grow a row for them specifically and you donate. Um, there's another, you know, organization here after the harvest and they will come in and they will glean at farms, but they will also take, um, donations from, from gardeners too. Um, especially in in a time when there are so many people who are food insecure and a lot of them are relying on, um, food pantries, most of that stuff in the food pantry, a lot of the time is all canned goods. It's boxed goods. It's processed foods. Um, it may not be as nutrient dense as what is coming out of your garden. So if you have the ability to grow a little bit extra to be able to donate to your local food pantry, um, you know, I'm certain that it would surely be appreciated. And if that's something that you plan to do for next year, then make a note of that too in your garden journal or your notebook or on your sticky pad, whatever it is that you're using to take your notes in your about your garden right now um, so that you can plan for the spring. So I hope that that helps get put you on the right track toward what it is that you need to be taking note of right now in order to be able to help you um, really have a better more productive, more successful, and less stressful garden in the spring and beyond. If you have any questions or you have any suggestions for other things that um, folks might want to pay attention to in their garden and make notations of, join us in our Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. We're in there every day and uh, we're there to answer questions and it's a nice little community of uh, other growers just like you. So have a fantastic weekend making those notations about your garden in your garden. And I will talk to you again on Tuesday. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened. Rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option. And follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.